Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. The breaking news story today, former Milwaukee County Executive Chris Abley, if you haven't heard this, was the victim of a carjacking last night. Oh, probably less than a mile from where I am sitting now. Now, it's it, there, it, there. there's a funny side to this, and it's only funny. There's nothing funny about the carjackings and all this. It, it, there's only a funny side because nobody was seriously injured in connection with this. And, and there's a much larger point that we're going to discuss in just a moment. But the details of this, just kind of dazzling. I, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I sent out a link to this story. And, and the takeaway is not only are carjackers in Shorewood, brazen and very dangerous but they're also really stupid Uh, because apparently here's what the police are are saying happened about 7 20 last evening so i mean you're you're talking sunday night 7 20 so it's after dark but it's still it's not like it's two o'clock in the morning chris abley is driving his vehicle he's heading east on capitol drive in the 1600 block of east capitol drive which is Again, it's less than a mile from where I'm sitting now. It is in Shorewood. Uh, Shorewood High School, if you know the area, would be on the south side of Capitol. And there's like a, a BP gas station on the north side of Capitol. It, it's right by the, the post office, and you're a couple blocks away from Oakland Avenue. So we're talking about a, a main stretch of, of Shorewood. And according to the police, apparently what happened is... Abley is driving east when a vehicle passes his vehicle. And, and this is where it really kind of gets scary. I, I don't, he, he wasn't, I think, being targeted because of he was Chris Abley. A vehicle passes his vehicle and pulls in front of it on Capitol Drive, forcing the car to stop. So, I mean, it's not even like he's getting into his car in a shopping center or something like this. I mean, he's driving his car at 7 o'clock at night on Capitol Drive in, in Shorewood, and you see this car that just pulls past it and forces Abley's vehicle to stop. At that point in time, you there's, so there's two people in the car. One gets out of the car with a gun and goes up to former county executive Chris Abley. Second suspect remains in the the vehicle. So you know what the plan is. The guy with the gun is going to steal the car, and the other guy is then going to drive away in the car that the two of them were in in the first place. So apparently the suspect orders Abley out. The guy with the gun orders him out of the vehicle at gunpoint. The guy with the gun then gets into the driver's side of Abley's vehicle and tries to drive away. Now, th- this is the, the kind of poetic justice part of this, but was unable to. Apparently, he can't get the car started. Now, I, I don't know. The reports don't say what kind of car Abley drives. I don't, if he's driving something like a Tesla, uh, in, unless you really know what you're doing, it, Tesla is almost impossible to start. I mean, it doesn't, it, a Tesla doesn't have like one of the push buttons on it. So I don't know if he's driving a Tesla. I, I don't know. Priuses. Now, Gru used to drive a Prius. Priuses are a little bit complicated to start, too, right? Some of them. I mean, you just put the key in the ignition. You need the key in the start. ignition. Right. You need the key in the ignition. But it's not like that, that keyless start. Or I, for all I know, he's, he's driving a stick shift. I, I don't know. And the guy doesn't know how to drive the stick. I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, so you get the idiot that gets out of the car, you know, gets ably out of his vehicle at gunpoint 
gets in and can't get the car to drive. <laughs> so so then it, it gets it gets better. At this point in time, the moron carjacker who can't get the car going apparently gets out of the car, says to Abley, blank you, although he doesn't say blank, and blank your car, and then fires two rounds at the unoccupied vehicle, striking the vehicle once. So the idiot carjacker is upset that he can't drive away, doesn't know how to either start the car or put it in gear or whatever, so he ends up shooting the vehicle, shoots at the vehicle twice, um, shooting the car once, uh, apparently then steals uh, former county executive Abley's wallet, drives away. Again, the good news is Abley was not injured. Oh, I'm sure he's traumatized. I mean, th- there's nothing funny about this. He's traumatized. The two suspects then fled west on East Capitol Drive. Okay, so um, <clears throat> they're looking for them. Uh, the guy with the gun is described as a young black male under the age of of 20. So I I sent out a link to this story on Twitter. If you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Not only are carjackers in Shorewood brazen and very dangerous, they're also really stupid. If you're going to do something that will send you to prison, shouldn't you at least know how to drive the car you're trying to steal? And, of course, we're very lucky that, that nobody was hurt in connection with this. But but there is, I guess, a, a larger point to this. And for, forget the fact that the victim in this case was the former county executive in Milwaukee County. This could have been you. It could have been your spouse. It could have been me. It could have been my spouse. It, it could have been any of us. You, you have a situation where, again, this is not, I don't think of Capitol Drive in Shorewood at 7 o'clock on a Sunday evening as being, Oh, an especially dangerous part of the metropolitan area. I mean, Shorewood, nice community. You know, um, again, the standing joke used to be once UWM professors get tenure, they all, they all move to Shorewood. Very, very liberal enclave, you know, just to the north of the city of Milwaukee, but um, a very a thriving business community on Oakland Avenue. They, they've really done a great job of, of development there. And here you have a situation where just simply driving your car down the street across from the high school at seven o'clock or seven twenty on a Sunday night, you are not safe. And that's just the, the reality of this. You you are not safe. I assume that it was a nicer car and, and that's what targeted that's what caused the, this particular vehicle to be targeted. Hey, that looks like a cool car. Let's go pull it over. D- don't know. But you know, you you have these guys and again, I they they don't have anybody in custody. My guess is it's going to be younger people, maybe even juveniles. Don't don't know exactly. But you have somebody pulling over a, ran- a driver randomly at seven o'clock and getting and forcing them out of their car at gunpoint on Capitol Drive in Shorewood. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, the funny part of the story is, again, that, that the carjackers are stupid, you know, don't know how to drive the car. The the good news part of the story is, other than, a, I'm sure, a very, very traumatic event of being forced out of your car at gunpoint, um, and, and held at, at gunpoint and being robbed, you, there, there's no physical injuries. But the larger point is, this is, you, you know, we like to think of crime as being perhaps concentrated into certain areas. And, and gee, if you stay out of some of the quote-unquote bad areas, maybe you're more likely to not be a victim. And admittedly, in Shorewood, I mean, the, the, the big crime they have in Shorewood generally is people stealing stuff out of unlocked parked cars. You know, people will leave their cars un- unlocked in their driveways. People will 
will leave their cars, you know, unlocked on Oakland Avenue when they run into stores and you have targets of opportunity. That's not what this one was. This was people randomly driving through Shorewood looking for people to carjack at gunpoint. And you can make a very strong argument that it's there, but there, but for the grace of God, that this didn't turn out into be something a lot worse than it did. And it's bad. Don't get me wrong. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a one-off? Or as we look at particularly Milwaukee County, and we see crime that maybe before was confined to the city of Milwaukee, we, we now starting to, to, to see it spread out. Is this is this a one-off type of situation? Or is this just a warning sign that it's really... It's really not that safe anywhere you want to choose to go in Milwaukee County. 855-616-1620. I mean, if this can happen to Chris Abley at 720 on a Sunday night in Shorewood, can this happen to anybody? And does that affect some of the decisions you make when you decide to go out and about? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, it's being reported by multiple media sources. Last night around 7.20 in the evening, Chris Abley, former Milwaukee County executive, was driving east on Capitol Drive in Shorewood, just less than a mile from where I'm sitting now, right by Shorewood High School. Car containing two guys forces Abley kind of off the road, pulls in front of him, slows down. One guy gets out of the car with a gun, forces Abley out of the car at gunpoint, gets into the vehicle Abley's drive. And we don't know what kind of car it is, but the guy can't drive it. He can't, I don't know if he couldn't start it. I don't know if Abley drives like a Tesla or something like that, that you really got to know what you're doing or whether it's stick shift or whatever. Anyhow, so the would-be carjacker is frustrated because he can't drive the car away. So he shoots the car, he shoots at the car twice, hitting it once, ends up um, robbing Chris Abley at gunpoint, and then they they, they drive off. So the the good news is, other than the trauma of being robbed, nobody is seriously injured in connection with this. I guess if you're looking for a funny aspect, and there's nothing overly funny, it's that you've got these stupid carjackers who don't know how to drive vehicles that they're trying to steal. But the bigger point is that the whole idea of, of safety, and what really struck me about this story is, forget that it's the former county executive, that this could be you, it could be me, it could be our spouses. It's 7 o'clock on a Sunday night in what you would think would be a, a nice, safe area, and the truth of the matter is, you are not safe. And it's there but for the grace of God, apparently, that somebody wasn't seriously injured. And, of course, this raises the question is, of, of are you safe anywhere? What does this mean for, for not only the city of Milwaukee, but for Milwaukee County as crime starts to spread? 855-616-1620. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, a few years ago, I was on my way to Columbia Hospital around 6 a.m., couldn't believe what I saw. Two very nice cars in a very nice neighborhood. Neighborhoods up on the air and blocks with are the all the tires stolen. Um, Jeff, um, Milwaukee is getting bad. Glad I got out of there four years ago. It's a shame though. Growing up in the seventies, Milwaukee was a fun place to be and to hang out in. And keep in mind that this is 
you know, this is the, the east side of Milwaukee, nice, really nice areas, and, and Shorewood, you know, which you would not think of. You would not think of Shorewood as being the place that if you're driving down Capitol Drive at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night, you are going to be forced off the road, and then some idiot's going to get out and stick a gun in your face. Um, Jeff, my two sons both live down in Milwaukee, both went to UWM. Um, we're done with Capitol Drive. We will not drive it, even if it means going way out of our way. Jeff, I believe the incident is most definitely an outlier. I live in Shorewood, two blocks off Capitol. However, if these degenerates are not caught, you will see a pattern starting to develop. Um, well, that's, you know, that's the other issue that, you know, is out there, which is, is this that, that spread of, of crime? And how are you going to deal with this type of thing? And again, I, 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 so presumably they will catch the people that, that did this. That would be my guess. Maybe it's going to turn out to be juveniles. Like I say, the description is somebody 20 or, or younger, which, which could be somebody that's 15 for all we know, um, in, in this situation. But I mean, here's the bottom line. We, we typically do not take this kind of conduct seriously. So the question becomes, if and when they catch these people, if they don't send them to prison for five or ten years, are you essentially green lighting the idea of, hey, drive up and down, go go to Shorewood, go to Whitefish Bay, you know, go to Bayside, whatever, don't worry, you know, if, if you get caught doing this, nothing bad is going to happen to you. 855-616-1620, Dennis in Milwaukee. Dennis, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Jeff, ironically, I was in that neighborhood Friday afternoon to go to a funeral home, uh, Furick Funeral sure. Home, which is just down the street. Sure. Um, I, I go there periodically. I've never felt unsafe. Um, I lived in the city of Milwaukee for 50 years, and, you know, God willing, I've never been the victim of, of crime. So i got to believe this is an outlier Something that could happen anywhere. What was it? Um, last month we heard of this road rage situation where uh, somebody pulled out a gun and shot somebody in Cedarburg. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's unfortunate. On the freeway, yeah. Do. Yeah, I agree with you. There should be swift punishment on this, but I got to believe this is more of an outlier. Well, I mean, thank you. You would you would hope so. I mean, <clears throat> that that's why. I mean, look, there's two reasons to me that this story is newsworthy. First of all, of course, who the victim is, but but secondly, the location of this, because again, like I say, you don't think of. Oakland and Capitol, which is essentially what this was, you know, Oakland and Capitol, you don't think of this as the spot where if you're driving down that street or you're within two blocks of that intersection, you're going to be run off the road and have some idiot get out and stick a gun in your face and take your car at seven o'clock in the morning, you, you, at seven o'clock in the evening. You, you don't think that that's going to happen at two o'clock in, you know, in the morning, 2 a.m., much less at seven o'clock at night. And, and yet, it did. It's the brazenness of this. And, and you want to hope that it's, it's an outlier type of situation. Cause the bottom line is, if, if you can't feel like you're safe on Capitol and Oakland at 720 on a Sunday after, Sunday evening, well, you're, you're not going to be safe anywhere in, you know, Shorewood. Um, and again, th- this is, Shorewood's one of these places. Matter of fact, I spent 30 minutes this morning reviewing some report, a draft of report that they're going <clears> to <throat> have coming out in a couple weeks talking about how they want to revamp the police department. My response would be, okay, maybe this is an indicator that what, what you need is more police officers on the, 
the street. Jeff, it was only a couple months ago that you were completely perplexed by citizens running out and buying firearms and ammunition. Now, does this make a little more sense? Well, I I was arguing in, in, in the pandemic to, to the fact that, okay, we're dealing with COVID-19. Do, do you need to run out? Does everybody need to buy a gun because you're afraid civilian authorities are going to break down? But I do understand at this point. I mean, if, if it is a if it's a situation where you can't be out on the road at seven o'clock at night, and I admit this, this, this kind of it, it hits home when I grew up in Glendale. I did not grow up that far from here, from from that area. And from time to time, there's all those different bars and restaurants within oh a half a mile of this location. If the word is going to get out now that this is where you're going to have, my guess is young criminals from probably the city of Milwaukee, who are going to say, okay, well, let, let's let's spread out because there's less chance that we're going to get caught and more chance that we're going to get away with it and maybe less chance that somebody in the People's Republic of Shorewood is going to have a concealed carry firearm on their person, uh, all those different types of things. But this is a... This is a big deal. Jeff, I've lived in Shorewood for over 40 years, and it has changed, changed dramatically. About a month ago, in the back alley of Wilson Drive, which is north of Capitol, three blocks along the parkway, uh, a gentleman was armed, robbed, and pistol whipped in, in the alley. Um, I, I do think there's, there's no question that you have, you know, crime spreading. Jeff, this is in the same category as the Mayfair shooting. What can be done? What can those who follow the law do? Well, I I think what you have to start with doing is demanding vigorous enforcement and then demanding that that people who do this type of stuff go to prison, if nothing else, to protect society, because this could have turned out really, really bad. And again, that's that's what gets my attention, because. I'm picturing all my friends who who still live in the North Shore who would have thought nothing about being exactly where Chris Abley was last night at seven o'clock at night. You know, you're you're driving, you know, you're you're heading down Capitol Drive. You're in Shorewood for goodness sake. It's the last spot in the world, or one of the last spots in the world, that I would figure that you would plan on being worried about running off the road and having some idiot get out of the car and stick a gun in your face to try to steal your car. But yet now you apparently do have to, you know, worry about about that. Jeff, Milwaukee County law enforcement does not care about car thefts. My vehicle was stolen recently. I tracked it via GPS on my cell phone that was in the car. I told police all the details. They mocked my wife and I. I said, I guess they expect us to look for his car. Well, th- this is going to be different because th- this this wasn't just the car theft. And by the way, I'm, I'm not minimizing that. And and I understand that you get your car stolen in the city of Milwaukee and, and the police, unfortunately, don't consider it to be a very big deal. Thank you, Tom Barrett. But the bigger point here is this is a big deal. You know, you run somebody off the road, you get out with a gun and you try to steal the car. I am hoping that this is a priority and I'm hoping it would be a priority regardless of whether it was Chris Abley or Jeff Wagner or, you know, Joe Schmidlap. That that doesn't matter. It's, it's not who the victim was. It's the fact that this happened in the first place. But just just beware because the streets are dangerous out there and they're getting more dangerous back with more in just a minute jeff wagner on wtmj and if you want a, a link to the, the story and the details uh, about the, the ably carjacking last night you can uh, follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 i've got a link to it okay the um over the last couple weeks since the election i understand that i have riled up some of you by 
my position that there's nothing to see here when it comes to, to fraud. And as somebody who for decades has advanced conservative causes and has argued for common sense measures like like voter ID to try to make sure elections are fair and honest, it, it has frustrated me when I hear, in this case, it, it's Republicans who are trying to change the rules of elections and, and throw out hundreds of thousands of, of validly cast ballots, or at least ballots that were cast under the rules that have been in place for election after election after election, just trying to cast them out in a hope that we can change the, the results. To me, that's it's just fundamentally flat out wrong. And and you see that playing out, for example, in some of the litigation that's been filed in Wisconsin that now seeks to challenge anybody who casts an in-person absentee vote, which includes my wife and myself and probably you or maybe your spouse. Because when, when you show up in person to vote in that two-week window beforehand, you walk up, you, you show the person behind the counter, you show them your, your photo ID, they check it off, they verify your address, they give you the ballot, but you don't fill out a separate application for an early absentee ballot. You've never had to do that, and I don't believe the law does. But you have people that, for example, are trying to argue that all of us who have cast votes in that fashion, a, a fashion that I think is completely perfectly legal, but but it also has been a generally accepted standard, that because Donald Trump lost Wisconsin by 20,000 votes, we should now throw out hundreds of thousands of votes. And I'm sorry, that that's just nuts. So, I mean, I, I sent a I sent out a tweet over the weekend. It just, just please make it stop. President Trump is now seeking to have hundreds of thousands of validly cast Wisconsin ballots, including early in-person absentee ones like mine, tossed out. And then I, I wrote, and no, thinking this is nuts doesn't make you a rhino, Republican in name only. It only makes you sane. And I, I got, again, predictably some feedback, and that's okay. I've got, I've got thick skin. I don't care about that. But it's like, you, you are a rhino. How, how dare you not recognize that this election is being this election is being stolen and and anybody who's not willing to stand up and and insist that all the pressure that can possibly be brought on state legislatures to ignore the vote counts in Georgia and Pennsylvania and all these other places and Wisconsin and Arizona and Nevada and just direct people to vote for Donald Trump if if you don't do that you're you're nothing but a traitor to the cause so then i i had two when I came into work today, there were, there were two letters sitting on my desk today, and I want to share both of the the letters. One is, well, one is signed, and it's kind of typewritten, and it was, you know, in an envelope that you open up, and here's what it says. Dear Jeff, thank you for being the voice of logic, consistency, and integrity throughout the campaign and the election's aftermath. My husband and I are two of the suburban Republicans who voted down ballot for party, but not for Mr. Trump. We felt his behavior since Election Day vindicates our well-thought-out decision. Mr. Trump has questioned the validity of elections in 2016, 2018, and now 2020. We fervently believe that peaceful transition of power is the keystone of democracy. For elected officials to deny the validity of elections with no proof is dangerous behavior. We further believe we must hold all elected officials to the same standards, not make exceptions for the members of our team. We disagreed with the members of the Wisconsin legislature who hid in Illinois rather than admit defeat. 
and we now disagree with Republicans who are silent in the face of the president's campaign. It is obvious to us that Mr. Trump has been telegraphing his post-presidency plan for months. He will hold mass rallies claiming his re-election was stolen by crooked Democrats. He needs to put his need, he puts his need for adulation above the nation's need. God bless President Bush, Jeb Bush, Mitt Romney, Larry Hogan, Fred Upton, John Kasich, and other Republicans who come forward to combat this breach with reality. I'm sending this through the mail in the hope that the extra effort involved conveys the depth of our appreciation for the job you do in talk radio. Sincerely, and then it's signed by, um, well, her name is Kay Ellen. So thank you. All right, so that that's one letter I got. Now I have another letter. I have it in my he- hand here. I'm holding it up and displaying it to my producer through the window. It is um, on a, a green letter, legal-sized envelope. Now there, there's nothing in the envelope, but it is addressed to me. And on the outside of the envelope, in the left-hand side, written in Sharpie, it says, 2020 presidential election was a fraud. Audit all mail-in votes in God we trust. And then it's from somebody who identifies themselves on the outside of the envelope. is a long-time listener. So uh, there you have the, the, the two letters. You've got the one. Thanks, Jeff. We, you know, we, we just, just because our team lost... The presidential election doesn't mean that, you know, we, we buy into all this other stuff. And then the flip side of it is the election was a fraud. You know, audit all these votes. Get get with it. And that's kind of where we are. Well, anyhow, I there's a story in the New York Times yesterday, and it says most Republicans say they doubt the election. But how many really mean it? And it's a story about surveys with people trying to figure out among Republicans, among the 70 plus million people who voted for President Trump, how many people out there seriously think that the election was was stolen, that this is this widespread fraud, that essentially all these election officials are engaging in a in a coup to deny President Trump reelection? I mean, how many people really seriously think that versus people who who voted for President Trump who are undoubtedly disappointed whenever your candidate loses? You're always disappointed that your candidate lost. You, You know, you prefer that the candidate you voted for won. But that's a far cry from thinking, oh, the the election was stolen. I was very disappointed in 2018 when Scott Walker lost the election to Tony Evers by however many thousand votes he he lost. He lost by. But I I was disappointed. But that doesn't mean that I thought that 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 the Democrats or Tony Evers did something to steal the election. It means I, I think. Democrats in 2018 were more vote motivated, particularly in Wisconsin and Milwaukee, in, in Madison and Milwaukee, to turn out. Did a better job of getting their voters out. Maybe there was some Walker fatigue. I mean, I understand. I was very disappointed. I continue to be disappointed that Walker lost. But that's different than thinking the election was stolen from him. So let us have an honest conversation. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you really believe, really believe in your heart of hearts that the election was stolen as opposed to being disappointed with the outcome, as opposed to being 
you know, troubled by, gee, may, maybe we need to do stuff to, you know, tighten up this or tighten up that. Because I, I think, you know, as I've argued, I think, you know, we, we can always do better when it comes to, you know, uh, elections to make it easier for people to vote, to make it easier for us to figure out if there really are people who aren't entitled to vote, to stop them from doing that. But 855-616-1620, and this is a serious question. Do you really believe that this election is being stolen in plain sight. 855-616-1620. And I guess, and you you can tell from the tone of the the shows that we've done over the last couple weeks, I'm sorry, I I just don't see any of that evidence that's out there. And I guess I I don't, I understand that people don't want to believe that. And and maybe, you know, anybody who just refuses to see... uh, this massive conspiracy involving Hugo Chavez, who's been dead for seven years and all this other stuff. Maybe we're, we're missing something. But but do you really think the election's being stolen? Honestly, one way or the other. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I... I, the the purpose behind this topic is is a very serious one because here, here here's the bottom line the the election results are not going to be changed it's it, the, there are there are no realistic avenues out there come you know January twenty whatever you know Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated as the next president of the United States and I understand that there's people who aren't going to accept that 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 reality perhaps starting with with President Trump I also understand there's seventy some million people who voted for President Trump and. Some of those people are disappointed he didn't win. Some of those people are just absolutely convinced that he really did win, but the election was stolen. And I guess my question is, what what camp are you in? Or I guess the other camp is that, that I voted for Joe Biden, and and of course this was a legitimate election. 855-616-1620. See, I think there's a difference between disappointed your guy lost and, and really thinking the election was stolen. Okay, let's start with Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tony. Jeff, my answer to your question is no. And um, But those big ballot dumps, like at 3 in the morning, 100,000-some votes, may, will make people think. And also the fact that that indefinite confinement where people aren't don't have to send any ID in right. will make people wonder who's sending that who's sending that ballot in. Do you do you think that the election was stolen, or can we do do we need to do things to have like a better practice moving forward? Uh, we need to have a better practice moving forward. In fact, one big key would be to start counting votes. The, the mail-in votes as they come in, not on right. the first day where it takes two or three or four days after the election. Yeah, yeah Tony, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. That and that, that's a simple change. And you're uh, one of the things that I, I f- that, that fosters a lack of confidence is the fact that. In, in the state of Wisconsin, we've talked about this on multiple occasions. The the clerks aren't allowed to start tabul to start putting the absentee ballots into the machines when they get them. They've got to wait till election day, and so the result of that is, in for example, Milwaukee County, they, they don't get those results then until like three or four in the morning, and you have a huge ballot dump. All of a sudden, one hundred and fifty thousand votes appear that weren't otherwise in the totals. You knew that they were out there, and because 
because they tend to skew overly Democratic, people go to sleep at night thinking Scott Walker's the governor, and then you wake up and you find he lost by 20,000 votes or, or whatever. But but they're legitimate votes. It's just the way they're reported that I, I think causes people to question their reliability. Yeah, I agree. That to me, that's not an example of fraud. It's an example of can we do better, better practices? Let's let's get this stuff tabulated in a sooner fashion. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Chris in Sheboygan. Chris, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, like I was telling your screener, I'm kind of on the fence on this. Um, I'm a Trump supporter, Trump voter. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with Trump, kind of like you, with a lot of his shenanigans and tweets. And I love that word shenanigans, by the French. way. I, I love the word shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Okay. It fits. Truly, right. it does. Right. Um, but my wife takes a much harder line. I'm of the let's take it on the chin. Let's do what's best for America. We went to bed at 11. Trump was winning. We woke up at 630. He lost. It just doesn't seem right. But again, I want to believe in the system and the voting process. My wife is much more hardline. You know, she mm-hmm. it was stolen, this, that, and the other thing. The problem I have, sir, is I'm a service manager, so I pull in a lot of customers' vehicles. Uh, so there's a lot of AM talk radio that our customers are listening to. Most of them are conservative-leaning stations. Mm-hmm. Be that as it may, the story is just not losing traction. So yeah. a lot of the cases are getting thrown out. It all fits. My problem is, is most of the time this stuff just goes by the wayside. It just kind of goes away. This is not going away, so I just don't know what to say. No, and I think I that... want to say we're Americans. Take one on the chin. Come back in four, and I'll vote for you again. Right. Well, well Chris, no, I no, away. I understand, and and see, and and, and part of. The, and I, I part of the problem is there are people out there who, who don't want to accept that their guy lost, in this case, President Trump. I, and But but I mean, I, I understand there are people. And, and look, I, I was around. I was I've been doing this for, you know, full or part time in this market for more than 25 years. So, I mean, I, I've seen these various things happen. And I understand that there were people on the other side who never viewed Donald Trump as being a, quote unquote, legitimate president. And so. You know, now, you know, some of this is kind of like, you know, turnabout is fair play. To me, I I thought a lot of the stuff that was thrown up against President Trump in the beginning was very, very unfair and wrong. And I guess I I now see that other side of it as well. I understand that there's people who are upset by this, who don't think President Trump ever got a fair shake, and who are trying to kind of like grasp at straws. But it's... Maybe this is just going back to my old days as a federal prosecutor. You know, when, when somebody comes and says there was this crime, all right, what, what you have to do is you have to say, okay, show me the good. Show me the, the evidence that's here. And then I hear, well, you know, we, we think that uh, maybe these Dominion voting machines actually took millions of votes that people cast for Donald Trump and converted them over to votes for Biden. And then you say, okay, well, they did a hand count in Georgia, and the hand count essentially came back with the same numbers, the, the paper ballots. Well, eh, wait, then, then, then it just kind of moves on to something else. It's, it's kind of like, you know, whack-a-mole when it it comes to th- this idea of, of widespread voter fraud, which isn't to say that you, you can't have better practices. In, in Wisconsin, what there were like 19,000 people who claimed to be indefinitely confined because of coronavirus, so they, they avoided the photo ID thing. Well, okay, I, I think it's a fair thing. That That's a... 
you know, th- that's a provision that's really in there to allow people in nursing homes and stuff like that to make it easier for them to vote. If there was some abuse of that, I, I'm fine with looking at this and raising the question about, okay, do we need to tighten these rules? But that's far different than saying, all right, we had all these people who otherwise would not have been allowed to vote, who, who didn't exist, that these were fake votes out there. And and I'm not seeing any evidence making that step that, that's there. But I do understand that there's a, a certain group of people who are just who are are clinging um are, are clinging to this whole idea. And I, I wonder where it ends. And here's where I think this is really dangerous here. And, and hear me out on this. If you legitimately start to believe that elections in this country are, are not legitimate, well, then what, what ends up happening is, first of all, you, you punch out. I mean, and, and that's see, that's one of the big worries that Republicans have in Georgia right now in, in this These two seats in the Senate runoffs in Georgia are extremely important because if you want to have divided government and some checks and balances on the more liberal impulses, if you're a conservative of Joe Biden, you you need to have Republicans win one or two, both of these seats, and they should. But the problem is, if if you're out there telling people, in this case, you know, Trump supporters, well, the, the election's fixed anyways. Don't, you know, it doesn't matter if you vote or not because the election's going to be fixed well that that gives people an excuse to to stay home and and that's that's not a good thing we want to encourage people to participate and i guess rather than simply telling people oh your guy lost because it was stolen i i think the better message for parties whether it's a democrat or republican the better message is hey you know you the other side did a better job of turning out their voters in this state or that state or whatever and what you need to do is you need to learn from it get smarter get madder whatever you know get out and vote yourself not gee give people an excuse to sit home because well the results are, are faked anyhow just saying back with more in just a couple minutes this is jeff wagner Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. One final thought on the importance of elections and why I think it is dangerous for people to just decide, I'm not going to participate because I, I the elections are stolen. What difference does it make if I vote or not because, well, there's this... I don't know that this huge, vast conspiracy involving Russia and China and dead Venezuelan leaders that, that, that steal elections. Again, one, one name, just one thought to keep in your mind before you decide that you're just going to punch out. I'm not going to participate at all because it doesn't matter. That name, Marionette Miller Meeks. Who is Marionette Miller Meeks? My producer grew looking at me like blankly. You don't know who that is. Okay, well, fair enough, because a lot of people don't. Marionette Miller Meeks is going to be one of the newest Republican members of Congress. Um, She won a seat. It was an open seat that had been held by a Democrat out of Iowa, and it was the closest election in the country this year for Congress. They just, I think today they're going to end up certifying the results. They they just got done with a lengthy recount. She won by six votes. She, She won by six votes. 
Now, this is a district that um, hundreds of thousands of votes cast. And at the end of the day, um, she won by a total of six votes to pick up that seat. Now, it was another one of these situations where she was ahead on election night, and then they had to start opening up all the absentee ballots that started coming in, and and her lead, which was always small, started shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. But at the end of the day, it appears that she won by six votes. Now, the reason I bring this up again is if, if all it, if, if all we have is a dozen people, for example, who just decide that, you know, we're, we're done. We, we don't think elections matter. We think it's all crooked, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to sit this out. And, and if you had a, a dozen people who had that attitude as opposed to going out and voting for this lady, she doesn't win election. It, it, it is that close. And that's why I think it's for democracy. For candidates, it's just very dangerous for people to encourage other people to just sit it out because, oh, it's all crooked, it's all fraud, et cetera, et cetera. Because in cases, especially close races, your your vote does count. Now, all the elections aren't going to be six votes. I mean, I understand that. But if you live in Wisconsin, especially on a statewide level, chances are it's going to be a, a close race. When Governor Evers runs for re-election or if somebody else on the Democrat side, you know, runs if Tony decides he's not going to run again, um, my, my guess is whoever runs against him as a Republican or whoever the Democrat candidate is, it's going to be a close race. I mean, it's going to be 15, 20, 25,000 votes one way or the other. I guess sometimes you have bigger margins. But but elections matter, and getting people out to vote matters, and encouraging people to not participate in the process because you think it's rigged, I think it is a very dangerous and a very self-defeating game. All right. Three and a half weeks. You know what happens in three and a half weeks? It's Christmas. Now, I mean, did... Okay, tomorrow is December 1st. So, what, three weeks and three days? That takes you up to, like, the, the, the 25th. What's Christmas on a Friday, I think, this year? So you, you Christmas is coming up very, very quickly. And if it seems like we just got done with Thanksgiving, well, it's because we just did get the, did finish with Thanksgiving. And this was, in some respects, it was a Thanksgiving unlike any other because, you know, we're in the middle of the, the pandemic. Um, by the way, Merriam-Webster, pandemic was the word of the year this year. It beat out Mamba, Kraken, and Defund to become the word of the year. I think that's a good choice. Pandemic certainly is the word of the year. But this Thanksgiving was unlike others because we were in the middle of a pandemic. Now, interestingly enough, while travel was down, it was not down as much as some people might have thought. Now, keep in mind, we have pretty much, you know, all government officials are telling people, we're telling people don't travel. You know, in, in Madison, they said, okay, we're, we're going to make it illegal for you to have people over to your house. And I didn't say anybody getting any tickets. And my guess is there were a lot of people that just kind of rolled their eyes and, and ignored that. But, you know, all the public health advice that was, was being given out essentially said, do not travel. And the truth is, lots of people did. I'm looking at a story in the Wall Street Journal from today. Almost 50 million people were expected to have made a, a trip during the Thanksgiving holiday. That's according to AAA. 
Um, the number of travelers from November 25th through November 29th was down more than 10%, but that's from a record set last year, again, according to AAA, which includes flights and road trips of more than 50 miles. Uh, the TSA said it workers, its workers screened more than 964,000 people on Saturday. That was down about 30% from a year earlier and more than a million on Wednesday, the busiest flying day. They expect screenings yesterday to be even higher. So the point is that, that while travel was down, it wasn't down dramatically. In other words, despite all this advice, don't travel, don't go out, don't go visit people, um, Americans, I don't want to say ignored it because that's not true because a lot of people, I mean, did follow the advice. But at the same time, tens of millions of Americans decided we're, we're going, we're traveling on Thanksgiving. We're going to go see our loved ones and we're going to get in cars and we're going to drive there and we're going to get on planes and we're going to fly there. All right. There will undoubtedly, I think, be a spike over the course in the ne- of the next week or so when it comes to COVID numbers. And my guess is some of that is going to be due to uh, the, the number of people who decided to travel on Thanksgiving. I want to talk about what's going to happen in three and a half weeks. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you changed your plans for Thanksgiving, smaller Maybe, you know, maybe you, you didn't have anybody over or a smaller gathering or typically you would travel up to Sheboygan or you would travel to Atlanta to visit your parents or whatever. And you didn't go three and a half weeks from now. Is it going to be the same at Christmas or do you think more people will be saying to heck with it? You know, we're we're ready to go. We're going to have a more normal Christmas, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My guess is, and this is just, just a guess, and this, I want to kind of test this theory. My guess is that it's going to be more difficult to convince people to change their plans for Christmas than it was to convince people to change their plans for Thanksgiving, which means I, I think lots and lots of people who have plans to go visit loved ones on Christmas, my guess is, pandemic or not, they're going to make the decision to do that. All right, less travel for Christmas than Thanksgiving, more travel. How is it going to play out? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, I the, the calendar is running. Christmas is, what, three and a half weeks from tomorrow. Tomorrow is December 1st. So uh, a lot of families are going to be making the same set of decisions that they, they just made over the course of the last couple of days, which is, do, do you travel? Do you dramatically change your plans? How are you going to be handling these things? Despite warnings from elected officials and the CDC, Lots and lots of traveling occurred. Um, the, the story, travel over the last couple of days, by far the busiest 
Uh, since the pandemic began, um, they estimate that travel between the 25th and 29th was down about 10%, but that's down 10% from a record that the year before. So undoubtedly some people changed their plans, but lots of people didn't. H- how is Christmas going to play out? Um, Jeff, we will know the answer in five to 10 days if hospitalizations are up even more and folks are too sick to travel. Well, I mean, my guess is, that just it's a guess, but my guess is that that given all the number of people that did travel, you are going to see the numbers. I don't know about hospitalization numbers, but you're going to see numbers go up. Is that going to change how we handle for Christmas, Jeff? I think it's going to be difficult to get people to stay home, but people can send presents to help soften the blows of not going somewhere. Unlike um, Thanksgiving, Jeff, we made the decision yesterday that we are canceling the family get together that we host. And we're also not attending the one that we typically go to. It's very difficult, but we want our loved ones around for a long time. We do not want to risk anyone's health. Jeff, I got all my family over for Thanksgiving on Saturday. Me and my wife went to the Dells, to the water parks to stay overnight. I guarantee you at Christmas, you're going to see more people traveling and getting together. I I do think that that is probably the case. Now, my, my wife and I have been kind of debating how we're going to handle this and I think the tentative plan is we're going to kind of stretch Christmas out a little bit more instead of so so maybe we would have big gathering on Christmas Day and on Christmas Eve. I, I think this year the plan might be multiple gatherings with with different family units. So instead of having 30 people over for, for Christmas Eve, maybe it's going to be okay when one one family unit, like four people are over on, on Christmas Eve and one family unit over on Christmas Day and maybe one on the, the Sunday afterwards, you know, that, that type of stuff. Just kind of spread it out so that you don't have a large number of people there. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Bill in Illinois. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Uh, yes, I do believe there, I believe there will be... Uh, more people traveling at uh, Christmas time. Some of this uh, has to do with the fact that there's a certain amount of confidence that's come out about the vaccine being out, but uh, will it be out by then? But uh, certainly, uh, I mean, all you had to do is mention the vaccine and the stock market went crazy. And uh, I I feel that uh, I feel people are going to be traveling more. And and the thing, the other thing is I think they'll probably be gathering more on a local level with other people, uh, probably not traveling and uh, that's going to be a problem as well well i mean th- thanks i mean again it, it's one of the it's one of the things where you try to kind of balance this out and avoiding the large groups the other thing that's, that's happening is that you know more and more people and it's not a good thing but more and more people have gotten it and they've recovered it from it and then they tell you once you've had it you've recovered from it you've you've got immunity that lasts at least 90 days and i think a lot of people think it's going to be a lot longer than that so you you have at least some people who've come through this and haven't had bad consequences and nobody wants to get it but you know the the more people that get it and recover those are people that um aren't aren't going to be getting it again 
or aren't going to be spreading it. But I, I do think it's going to be tougher to keep people locked down moving forward. And I admit, I was a little bit surprised to see the number of travelers that there apparently were out there. I mean, lots and lots of people were choosing to do it. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The, the question becomes, how are people going to do it? And again, I do agree also that the vaccine makes a big, big difference. I mean, the breaking news today is you have now a, a second pharmaceutical company that, that's going to the FDA and, and asking for you know a, approval to now start distributing the vaccine. And it is possible that maybe in the next couple of weeks, you will start to see that vaccine become available at least to some of the, the highest risk groups. And and look, let, let's be honest. I mean, that, that's the way out of this pandemic. It, it's it's when you get to a point where, you know, people, especially those who are most vulnerable, have either had it and recovered from it, or you can get an effective vaccine. That's when we can start getting back to at least some sense of, of normalcy and people can start traveling with more confidence and more safety and things like that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, do you remember your favorite gift as a child? Maybe it was a hula hoop. Huh, that's really going back. A hula hoop. Or a book or a new record. Some families aren't so fortunate, however. That's where you come in. Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive is celebrating its 15th year. And as you might expect this year, the need is greater than ever. Please join us this Friday, December 4th, for a day-long radiothon as we raise money to make sure every child has a memorable Christmas. All proceeds benefit Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland. For more information, go to WTMJ.com. Plan right now, Gru, is that I'm going to be on the road. That is the plan right now is that I will be leaving Radio City and I'll be up in our big talking box from the Capco Winter Wonderland. So looking forward to that. This is, again, it, it's... It's a different year than before. Remember, in past years, we would do um, part of the toy drive where we'd be broadcasting live from remote remote locations, and you'd stop over and you'd drop off toys. A little bit different this year, but the need is still there. Hey, just doubling back on something I just mentioned, um, the – the, the the news is today that uh, Moderna, which is a drug maker, um, they've announced that they're going to apply today to the FDA for permission to um, use their coronavirus vaccine for emergency use. If they get permission, the first inju- injections may be given as early as December 21st. Their, their studies say that their vaccine is 94.1% effective and that its study of 30,000 people met the necessary criteria. Um, that's um, in line with their earlier data. What they also found, and, and this is important too, is they found their, their vaccine was 100% effective at preventing severe disease from coronavirus. So in other words, it, it's 94% effective in stopping people from getting it, and it's 100% effective in stopping people who would st- in that that five percent who get it from getting really sick, so that that's a big deal. Now, the, the one thing that people need to know is that both for this vaccine and for the one from from Pfizer, there you need two doses. So what what has to happen is you have to you have to receive both doses. I think it's like thirty days apart or something like that. So it, it's a process to get this out there. And it's a process to get people vaccinated. But if you can start rolling this out in in three weeks, um, that's 
That is really, really good news. And that is light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. And it's not a train coming the other way. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. All right. The day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, traditionally the busiest shopping day, at least in-person shopping day of the year. This was a Black Friday, unlike any others. Now, I, I had an opportunity to drive around a little bit on I, I do not go into stores on on Black Friday. I do not accept. I made an exception Friday morning. Uh, my buddy Evan and I, we did hit uh, we, we hit a liquor store. We were I hit a liquor store. We went to purchase things at a liquor store. It's not like we put on ski masks and robbed a place. Um, and we went and, and found some of the Lakefront Brewery, their, their special Black Friday thing. So I got one from this year and one from last year. But but other than that, I, I was not in, in malls. I was not doing shopping. But I will tell you, driving around, um, I, I saw lots of cars out. I mean, I, I don't know how it compares, but drove past a couple shopping centers. There were plenty of cars in the parking lot, drove past the number of big box retailers, and there were plenty of cars that were out there in the parking lot. So people were definitely out there shopping, although my sense is that people weren't out there shopping as, as much. A lot of people just made the decision that they weren't going to go to the malls, but, but people still went out. We don't have the numbers yet, but a lot of the indications, especially the anecdotal in, in, implications, are that um, Black Friday this year was probably, as far as foot traffic in stores, probably lower than it has ever been, which doesn't mean that people aren't spending money. And today is, of course... The, the corollary and the companion piece to you know, Black Friday, it, it is Cyber Monday. And what that means is you have all sorts of the online places that this is, this is when they have their deals. And it's when they roll out their deals. And from the perspective of online shopping, it is typically the, the busiest day of of the year as people switch over and they order things. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to talk about how, if at all, your shopping habits have, in fact, changed. Now, my guess is five years ago, ten years ago, the day after Thanksgiving would be the traditional start to the Christmas shopping season. I understand some of you are more more with it than people like me and you know you, you you plan all year round and you do those things but typically it it is that friday after thanksgiving when people would rush out to the stores and that's where the deals would be my sense is that that just isn't what happens anymore and that more and more and more people decide that they're going to take advantage of again just the one-click shopping, going to different websites, and shopping on Cyber Monday. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you embraced the, the concept of online shopping? And if you have, do you think you're ever going to go back to the in-person shopping? And what is it going to take for the brick-and-mortar retailers? What's it going to take for them to get your business back? If, if at all, because I'm telling you, this is a really dicey time. I mean, with between the, the government mandated shutdowns of so many businesses, particularly so many small businesses earlier this year, to the fact that people are, are still 
reluctant to go out, to the fact that we have government officials telling us, you know, don't travel, don't congregate if you don't absolutely have to. It's a nightmare of a time for retailers, particularly small retailers, but even some large retailers. And then now you, you add on this, the convenience of the, you know, cyber shopping. So it's Cyber Monday. Are you doing shopping over the Internet, and what is it going to take you to go back to shopping in person, if at all? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Candidly, I think a lot of brick-and-mortar retailers think it's going to be a tough year for them, and I think the landscape, and I'm not hoping for this, I'm just commenting on it, I think the landscape's going to look materially different a year from now, when you look at all these different businesses that, that candidly weren't able to figure out a way to get through this. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Today is Cyber Monday. What's this going to mean moving forward? Is Are we ever going to go back to like the Black Fridays where people are going out and are spending money at the local businesses and stores? Jeff, I ordered my groceries for the first time last night on Amazon. They were at my door 630 this morning as I requested. Wow, easy and convenience, convenient probably changed the way I will shop forever. 855-616-1620. Brad in Illinois. Brad, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I I agree with what you just read. I I would not have thought in the past of ordering anything online necessarily, but being forced into it, that I can't imagine going back into a store and fighting the traffic and the. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is just so much easier. Truly, uh, customer. Yeah. Yeah. Customer friendly, uh, and <laughs> well, I think for the stores that aren't planning and going that direction, they yeah. probably are making a mistake. No, no, thanks for call, Brad. I, I think you're you're absolutely right. It, it is it, it's the convenience factor. Now, I, I, I've said this before, and I, I, um, I. I my wife kind of rolls her eyes at this, but I'm I'm always ordering books. I, I've always got two or three books going at a time, and I think she'd like me to read all the books that I have. But there's always new books that are out there, and I, you know, that, that I always say, honey, it's a, it's a it's a good thing that you know that I'm I'm, I'm reading these different things and all. But I, I will. So I'll pick up the Saturday Wall Street Journal. It's got a review of books in it, or the the Sunday New York Times review of books. And I'll see that there's this book that's out that, oh, this seems like it's a really interesting book. And if I want it, well, there's a couple of things you can do. I can get in the car. I can drive to one of the local bookstores that are within like eight or nine miles of where I live. I can go in. I can look to see if they have the book, and maybe they have it or maybe they don't. Or alternatively, I can pull out my laptop computer, go onto Amazon, put in the title of the book, hit a couple of buttons, and, you know, it's Amazon Prime, so it's like free delivery, and the book's at my door a day or two from now. And, and that's it's that convenience that I think has this incredible appeal that, that's out there. Also, the, the ability to shop selectively. Um, he knows what he's getting, so I don't think this is a, I'm telling tales out of school, but... Um, one of my wife's grandchildren wanted, we said, what do you want for Christmas? And he, he, he wanted a, um, 
he wanted a, a computer monitor that you play games on. Okay, just it was the monitor type of thing. So, all right, so you're you're able again. I, I just go to Amazon and I, I put in that monitor, and not only do they show you that monitor, but they also show you a series of comparable monitors that are out there, and, and actually. I was able to order what I think is a better, for the same amount of money as the one he wanted, I was able to get what I think is a better monitor. I mean, it just, but I, you're, you're able to compare that. Well, I, you know, to have, I, I'm not sure I even have the technical ability to have done that, but without the internet, the idea, would, okay, well, this is the thing he wants, but now I, I can see on the computer screen, I can see that there's four or five similar sort of products, and you can sit and say, okay, well, what's the difference between, the $200 one and the $150 one and the $100 one. And what are these different features? And you can kind of make that comparison. There, there's no way I would have been able to do that were it not for the Internet. Now, I think the trick, of course, for, for retailers is going to there's, – there's always going to be people who, who want to go in who, first of all, either enjoy shopping. Now, that's not me, but there's people who enjoy shopping, but also people who, who like – who, who want to find out what, what, how does something feel? Hey, if, if it's clothes shopping, you know, what does it feel? Does, does this feel, is it cheap? Is it good? What does it feel like? Do I like the way this is going to feel? So there's always going to be some demand for that. But if retailers, whether you're small or large, if you don't and haven't developed some sort of internet component, I, I think you're really missing the boat because I, I think that's going to be the future. There, there's always going to be people who want to go into the stores and, and want to see, gee, I really want to compare this watch to that watch, and I want to see those. Or I, I'm looking for you know a, a necklace to give as a gift, and so I want to see what these necklaces look like side by side, or I want to see what the rings look like, and you want to see them in person. So there's always going to be that market for that, but there is going to be the people who don't want to go into the stores. And for the retailers, I think that's what the, the challenges are going to do. Um, Jeff, with the stores are offering the specials, we ended up buying for the entire week. Um, Jeff, um, let's see. Um, comparison shopping online is a huge advantage. Also, you know immediately if it is in stock or if it is not. Jeff, um, brick-and-mortar stores need to team up with delivery service for online shopping options. I deliver for DoorDash, Walmart, Walgreens, Home Depot, Menards, Michaels, PetSmart, CVS, and others. I've delivered for through DoorDash. Those, of course, are the big boys, but mom-and-pop stores need to find their way into this online market as well to keep up. And, and yeah, I, I think that that's the, the case. Jeff, for me, I'm beginning to look towards purchasing from big, uh, from brick and mortar stores. Reason is being the shipping issues associated with Amazon. Recently purchased a bike repair stand and the shipping was horrible. Came late. The box looked like it went through World War II. Purchasing online at the brick and mortar stores is just as easy. And more often than not, I'm able to pick it up the same day and returning damaged or faulty products is much easier than on Amazon. Yeah, that, that's true. That's, that's definitely the case. The the thing that's also making it a little more difficult in Chicago, get this, they are considering rolling out a new $1.25 delivery tax for each package that like Amazon delivers, for example, 
they would tack on a city tax of a dollar and a quarter for every package that Amazon delivers that you, as the consumer, would have to pay. Now, that, that's very controversial right now in Chicago, but there's no question in my mind that you've got a lot of politicians that are trying to figure out ways that, okay, how, how can we, it's not just collecting the sales tax now from the, the purchases over the Internet, but how can we get more money in our coffers? And that ground tax is one of the ones that's going there. Um, Jeff, um, I'm pretty sure... I'm not going to be going anywhere to shop. Um, I'm going to be going buying stuff from Amazon. Oh, Jeff, pretty soon there isn't going to be anywhere where you shop if you keep buying stuff from Amazon and online stuff. I, I understand, and that, that's, that's the battle. On the one hand, you like to support local businesses. On the other hand, you, you also have to recognize that there, there, there is a convenience factor. Local jewelry stores, I, I'm there. Am, am I buying my wife a, a watch or a ring or a necklace or something, you know, over the Internet? No, that that's not going to happen. But again, if it's a ubiquitous type of thing, if it's, you, gee, there's this book that's coming out on Thursday and you can order it online or you can hope to remember and stop off on your way home at the bookstore. I, I'm sorry. That's kind of where the balancing comes in. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Experience holiday joy and excitement from the comfort of your car at Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. Featuring millions of lights, three mesmerizing light tunnels, and a bustling Christmas village, all guests are encouraged to bring a new unwrapped toy that will go to children in need in our community. This week, a toy donation gets you a buy one, get one ticket to a Milwaukee Admirals game. You could also win a $200 shopping spree to the Admirals team store. Find Capco's Christmas Wonderland at the corner of Cheyenne Avenue and Highway 60. Could not be easier. Get off I-43, go but about a mile and a half to the west, and you're right there. Um, so find the Christmas Wonderland at the corner of Cheyenne Avenue and Highway 60 in Grafton. Happy holidays from WTMJ and Capco's Kids to Kids. Christmas. I lump this next story into the, the category of like like no good deed goes unpunished. Part of the thing in Milwaukee is that you have an, a number of buildings that really aren't historic. They're, they're, they're just old and and they're decrepit and they, they desperately need to be renovated or replaced or, or whatever. But nevertheless, the, these buildings, they, they, they still have, I don't know, some people that, that might be in them. There, there might be some small stores, but it's clearly not the best purpose of these buildings. And uh, unless somebody comes in and invests a ton of money in either remodeling them or more likely demolishing the buildings and then putting up something new, what you're going to have is, is you're going to have blight. So here, here's the deal. Um, there's this development group, and, and part of it is run by Milwaukee uh, Bucks guard Pat Connaughton. And, and what they've announced that they're going to do is there's, this, there's a, a two-story building, 737 North Palmer Street in, in Milwaukee. And the, the group that, that the Bucks guard, Pat Connaughton, is part of, well, what they're going to do is that they've bought this, this building. And again, it's, it's an older building. It dates back, I think, to like 1917 or something like that. But it's, it's not in very, very good shape. And so what they're going to do is they're going to come in and they're going to demolish the building. They're going to take it down. And then what they're going to do is they're going to build 
a four-story building with up to 12 units at that site, okay? And so the, the idea is they're going to dramatically increase the value of, of the property, okay? So this, this is a good thing, right? Well, in the category of no good deed goes unpunished, story in the local newspaper a couple days ago that essentially is criticizing this group because what happens is when, when they come in, they're going to tear down this building, which means the, the handful of businesses that are in kind of the aging, outmoded, decrepit building, they're, they're going to have to move. So, I mean, here, here's the story that says that their plans appear to meet the site's zoning requirements, according to the city development. Development, Department of City Development. This means the project is going to proceed. They don't have to have the plan commission or the common council come in and approve it. So what's going to happen is this building, um, the tenants, small businesses and residents in two apartments, they're going to be displaced because because they're tearing down the building and something is new is going in that. And so the Journal Sentinel story goes on and it talks to some lady who's run her, um, she's run her business from the storefront, you know, since 2016. And she says, well, I don't, I don't want to move. I, I kind of love this, this building, but you know, it's, it's too bad. And then they go and they talk to a couple other businesses have been there for a couple years and they say, you know, well, we, you know, we really like it here and we, we would prefer not to move. And I, I remember reading the story thinking, okay, you, you can't have everything. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, if you're going to have redevelopment, what that means is that there's going to be some people who've been doing business in some of these places, and they've been there for three or four or five years, or maybe they've got an apartment, all those type of things. I get it. I understand it. But nothing stays forever. And if the choice is, gee, let's have a developer that's going to come in and going to put a couple million dollars into building something new that's going to provide housing for the area, that's going to make it a little bit more upscale, and you're going to have a new building that's going to be there, and it's going to increase the tax base, and it's going to make the area more desirable, or you just have this old building that's there. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to vote for the, the new construction all the time, and I understand that that means that Okay, somebody who's running a particular business on the first floor, they, they, they might have to leave and they might have to find somewhere else to go. And I appreciate that's an inconvenience, but at the same time, it, it's a necessary evil. Uh, Pat Connaughton is raising an historic Brewers Hill building for a new project. Its small businesses are forced to move. That's what the headline says. My response is, and yes, your point, Journal Sentinel, is? Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right. If you live in Connecticut, starting January 1st, when you get your, your paycheck, you will notice if you look at the small print, I don't know how many people you go through their paychecks and, and actually see all the different deductions that, that are there or whether you just kind of look at the bottom line. But starting on paychecks issued after January 1st, there will be a mandatory deduction that comes out of your check. And what this is, is workers will begin funding what is called a their mandatory 
payments for their new paid family leave program, which will begin paying out benefits in 2022. So here's the the deal. Under a new state law, which was approved by Democrats in the state legislature, um, workers will get paid time off for up to 12 weeks to care for a child after birth or adoption, to care for a seriously ill family member or various other qualifying circumstances. Now, this isn't through your employer. This is through the the state. Um, The amount of the benefits depends, kind of like unemployment insurance, it depends on how much you can earn, but the maximum benefit tops out at $780 a week during the first year that benefits are are paid. So here's the deal. Um, Again, you're... You, you have a kid and you decide that you, you want, you, you want to stay home, but you don't want to have to take a hit. Well, what happens is the, uh, depending on how much money you make, the state of Connecticut will give you almost $800 a week for the, those 12 weeks. At least that's where it tops off. The program is funded, now follow me on this, by a 0.5% tax on the wages of workers. And the maximum amount of income is is 142800 So it's kind of like Social Security, where you hit a certain number, they don't take any more off. But for example, if you, let's say you make $100,000, just a nice round number, you will, you will pay $500 a year um, in deductions, $500 will be taken off of your paycheck. If you make more than $100,000, it'll be less than that. If you make less than $100,000, it'll be less than that. But, but it's, um, 0.5% tax. And the idea is, again, this is going to be used to pay for paid family leave. Employers don't pay for this. It is exclusively provided, it, it's, it's paid for by the workers. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, you might say to me, Jeff, th- this all sounds wonderful, but I'm 50 years old. My spouse is 50 years old. Our kids, well, our, our kids are, we, we're not having any more children. We can pretty much guarantee you that so we would not have you know we wouldn't be in a situation where we could ever as a practical matter you know care for a child after birth or adoption so we could never use this and the answer would be yeah you're right you could not use this you might say well jeff um i don't it says care for a seriously ill family member well my parents both passed away 10 years ago there's no way that I'm going to be in a situation where there's any sort of likelihood that I'm going to do that. I never got married, so I don't have kids, don't have parents. I'm probably not going to ever do this. You mean to tell me that I have to pay for this? And the answer is yes, you have to pay for this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, before this, um, the, the way it worked is Connecticut allowed employees to take up to 16 weeks of unpaid leave. But but again, that was unpaid leave. A lot of employers would provide this as a benefit, but now they don't have to. Lots of business groups say that, um, hey, th- this is going to be disastrous for us because this is going to put a huge burden 
on small businesses in particular who are going to have to try to find temporary employees to fill in when their regular employees decide, hey, I, I want to take, you know, X, I want to take three months off um, to be at home um, now that my wife's had a baby. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, in some respects, I think is the wave of the future. Again, this isn't a benefit offered by employers. This is a mandatory tax on everybody to provide paid time off for some. Good idea, bad idea. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is... I don't think we need the government doing this, but I'm willing to discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Darren in Cedarburg. Hi, Darren. Hey, Jeff. Great uh, topic. Thanks. I think this is a is a good idea. Um, I don't think it will work in Wisconsin. We don't have high enough wages here in wisconsin to support it but uh as far as what people say that you know they can't take advantage of the benefits so they shouldn't pay into it there's a lot of benefits that we don't directly take are able to use that we pay into you know i mean i'm retired from the military and uh you know i just it's i think having more secure homes and that sort of thing where parents are at home would contribute to the safety of the overall population okay well thanks for calling. now i'll give you the, the that's an interesting point because you're right there's all there's lots of stuff that we that people will pay for that they don't necess- necessarily get a direct benefit for the, the, the most obvious example is a public school system I, I i don't i don't i never had children myself but for for years and years and years in the community i lived i paid lots of property taxes to help support that the 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 school system in in the community where I lived. Now you could make an argument that well you didn't have kids yourself so you could never take advantage of that. Now first of all it never bothered me in that regard because first of all I, I to your point Aaron I think there's an interest in overall you know if if you have good public schools that benefits everybody. Secondly from a selfish perspective that uh, at some point in time in that example you're going to sell your house. And trust me, if if you have a house that's in a, an area that's desirable, and one of the things that design defines what desirable is, is does it have a good school system? You know, it, your your house is going to grow in value, and it's going to grow in desirability. Now, it always doesn't doesn't always work out to a dollar for dollar thing. I'm not arguing that, but th- there are certain things where you you do get a benefit, even though there, there's no direct benefit. I don't have kids in schools. You still do get a benefit from having a good school system in terms of property values or whatever. I'm not sure that this is that same situation because, I mean, it is true. There's going to be a large number of people, particularly older workers, who are, are never going to get any sort of practical benefit from this because they're not going to have kids. Now, maybe the, the flip side of it is, well, okay, my, my spouse, I'm, you know, you're, you're 61 years old and your 59 year old spouse, um, it, it becomes ill. 
this gives you some time, some paid time off to stay with her. So maybe there's the possibility that you're going to use it. But it does come at, at a huge cost. Um, Jeff, I don't like it, but I never had children, but I pay for that on my taxes. Uh, Jeff, literally every government benefit is funded by somebody who never could take advantage of it. I see that as um, being part of the overall society. Jeff, I think this is only the beginning of things to come. Elections have results. Many, most likely people younger than us elected the new president and vice president. Those same voters want lots of time off and want to get paid for it. Older folks are going to find ourselves paying for a lot of things that the younger people feel are important to them. Jeff, good and bad. Well, there's a stockpile of money that's not being used. Um, why doesn't the state allocate those funds somewhere else? Jeff, who stops the employer from replacing them while they're off? Well, th- that's not, I-, I don't think they can be fired legally for that, but that's the problem that employers have. It- it's like, all right, where where are we going to get the bodies? How are we going to find somebody that's going to come in and, and do the job for six, eight, ten weeks, knowing that once the the worker comes back from their their paid time off at at taxpayers' expense, that then what's going to end up happening is then the person's going to be out of the job, and that's the beef that the small businesses have. Look, I think this is a great benefit, a- and I understand why employers would offer something like this. I think it's something that would make it desirable to want to work for a particular company that would offer that. So, I mean, if if your employer decides to do it, I, I think it's tremendous. I, I lump it in the same category as, you know, paid sick leave and vacation, all those different benefits, 401k matches, all these different types of things. I think it's a wonderful benefit if you've got a company that chooses to offer it. That's not what we're doing here. We're not saying to the employer, here, it's great. You're a great company. You do it. We're saying, okay, we're going to have the government provide it, and we're going to expect everybody to pay for it. That, to me, is a different thing. To me, this is a matter desirable, but it's a matter for the private sector to offer. And if you want to find a company that offers this particular benefit, well, that that's an incentive for you to go and want to work there, as opposed to having the taxpayers pick up the tab. My guess is they roll this out. I would not be surprised to see two or three years down the road if it just becomes so incredibly expensive that they can't figure out a way to continue to pay for it. Time will tell. Okay, when we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.